Popper Chicken says... <laughs> the big news this week is that rich people don't pay taxes. I've known that for years, and how I'm a rubber chicken. <laughs> he had a very smart rubber chicken, but we haven't got time to discuss something we already knew. Uh, I've got to get on with Lewis Black's Rantcast, number 46, entitled Representative Louis Gohmert's Brain is in Orbit. <laughs> yes, Siri, Bob, it certainly is. Unbelievable this week. Unbelievable as he... Uh, in, a, in yet another insane gesture by uh, of this, the wrongheadedness of the desperate need to not deal with climate change on any level whatsoever. Uh, Louis Gomer talking to uh, somebody from forestry, I think, asking if, if we took, if we could change the moon's orbit. Uh, or our orbit would that, uh, you know, solve climate change? What the fuck are you solve climate change by changing the orbit of the moon? What fucking science class did you take, huh? Did, are, you, are you involved in, in any way, shape, or form on any committee that has anything to do with education? Because get the fuck off it right now, right now. It's extraordinary to me. That somebody can sit there and ask it, and then the and, and and politely, he was told by who he asked that they would get back to him on it. No, they, the person should have said, you know, uh, I'm I'm very sorry. Uh, I don't know who mis has misled you about the way that um, our universe works, uh, uh, and, uh, but apparently. Um, you don't seem to have a grasp on it, and you may want to read about that for a while before you're sitting in on these types of committees. What the fuck? Is somebody kidding me? It's, it, it's extraordinary. It's beyond belief. If you see a House Natural Resources Committee hearing, what the fuck? It's a senior forestry service official. My God. Oh, boy. Uh, I understand from what's been testified to the Forest Service and the BLM, uh, probably thought that meant Black Lives Matter. <laughs> you want very much its Bureau of Land Management. You want very much to work on the issue of climate change. Uh, adding that a past director of NASA had once told him that orbits of the moon and the Earth were indeed changing, and he applied that to Ike. And at that point, is. Is they're not like they can't they have something where like uh, you know where the 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 uh, underneath him the 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 pull back the floor and the chair just drops out of sight. He also just in case you know there's apparently there's there's a thing I went online to take a look seven batshit things that he said there are tons of it. He also recently apparently said that. The uh, the caribou uh, enjoy the warmth of an oil pipeline. What is the matter? How desperate are you to keep this shit going on? So when caribou want to go on a date, they invite each other to head over to the pipeline. So my real concern now is if oil stops running through the pipeline, do we need a study to see how adversely the caribou would be affected if that warm oil ever quit flowing? I... You, 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 I, I hasten to read, read this thing because it destroys the mentality of all who listen to it. 
So if you're sitting there with a pair of headphones on, pull them off, throw them away. They've been tainted by idiocy. That's your argument on climate change, caribou? Caribou fucking on oil pipelines? Huh? Nestling their nuts up against the, 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 warm, the warmth of the oil jet streaming through? So that so that we can continue to bring our uh, you know a, a drought situation everywhere. If I fucking and the and this the you know we got the, he's he's asking this shit on the week that uh, the 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 fucking Lake Mead is at the lowest it's ever been ever fucking ever. God, I remember going out there the very first time like 110 years ago, and we drove out to the Hoover Dam and. My God, there was hardly any houses out there, and uh, and Lake Mead was uh, just you know magnificent. Well, you know, nope, not anymore. Not because uh, you know, but you know, don't worry about it because the the car the caribou are fucking the rubber chicken wasn't kidding. That came out as news. Rich people don't pay taxes. How is that news? Huh? How is something we all fucking have known forever? And the Republican Party and the Democrats for a while, too. And then, but mostly the Republicans as of late. And then again, I guess with the help of, uh, of, of Joe Manchin and uh, cinema, I, I think. I don't know. Who can keep up with this shit? You don't really want to have new taxes. They're not paying their taxes, okay? Huh? At some point, they got to carry the load in some fucking fashion. At what point don't you see the goddamn disparity of fucking income. When do you notice that? Is, how do you get people all in on this? Does everybody believe, boy, boy, I don't want them taking away my money. They are taking away your money, okay? Which is why you can't get to the next step. And the reason rich people are rich and get richer is because they're not taking their money away. And it's not a matter of taking it away. It's a, they have been given by by the by the by the by this country and its ability to to provide all sorts of services on all sorts of levels to them, uh, the ability to kind of raise you know create inordinate amounts of wealth, inordinate. And so the the idea is to have a, a wealth tax, which I'm not even going to go into. Why? Because I don't have time to explain math. But there has to be a different way to look at this, okay? I know this from the fact that uh, I have a, a business. This is part of my business is this podcast. We don't make a ton of money off this, but it helps employ some people, I think. I hope. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't know how this gets out there, um, which is hence the advertising um, so that folks can get paid because I'm sure people go, God damn it, he's advertising, he sold the fuck out. I, you know, it's, it's a way for folks to get paid. But what, what I discovered along the way, the, the first time I formed a, a corporation was is that you could do anything in terms of that corporation to show that you didn't have a profit. Hence, you didn't have to pay, you know, a lot of taxes on that. I pay taxes on, uh, on what I earn each year. And, I'm, and, I, and, I, and I will continue to say it. I'm proud of the fact I spent years waiting to be able to pay taxes. I think it's important to pay taxes. It's how we pay for shit. 
As I said tons and tons of years ago, I don't want them calling me up and say, get out here to the George Washington Bridge. You know, because we don't if I don't pay the if you don't pay the taxes, some there's no there's no department of transportation. Bring a shovel. We gotta get the we gotta we gotta get rid of the snow on the bridge. Ain't fucking unbelievable. So here we go again. Rich people don't pay taxes. That's news. Can can the folks who do the news give us news? You know, and and they they did dig up the Department of Justice stuff, turning out that the uh, the old, the Department of Justice under uh, under William Barr and um, Jeff Sessions that they had um, you know they've they've seemed to have denied it but that uh, the Justice Department was looking into uh, who leaked which of the congressmen leaked the uh, the the uh, the stuff about uh, the, the the folks in the in the um, in the, the former leader's administration and, and their dealings with Russia. Who leaked this? Adam Schiff, Eric Swalwell. And they went to Apple and had Apple hand over their records. Fucking iPhone. And Apple handed their records over? How is that possible? Apple didn't say, fuck you? It's a congressman? You don't get to do that? Where, where, where are the stopgaps? Did anybody, I didn't hear anybody ask that question this week when I was watching the news. I mean, maybe the government can demand it, maybe I'm, but I don't think so. I think Apple could have said, fuck you. You know? Apple, they're out there in fucking California. Schiff, I believe, is out there. Swalwell is out there. They even, there was a miner. They keep talking about a miner. I don't know which miner it was. Yeah, that kid, boy, we got to find out what that kid was up to. Leaving notes in class about who was talking to the Ruskies. But fucking leave him on the week, and then and this is the week that he's talking to, that the, the, the Biden is talking to Putin. And of course, the Republicans blow back, well, you've, you guys said that with, uh, you know, Obama, I, I guess, apparently was grabbing stuff about our press, you know, people who wrote, you know, the journalists. That's fucking ridiculous. Let's have a free press, but let's make sure we... we uh, they're, they're just free enough? Fuck you. The reason we have a free press is to keep an eye on those fucks. Because they don't keep an eye on themselves. And they really fucking don't. There's an attitude of, yes, we do. No, you don't. Even the Democrats didn't keep an eye on themselves. You know, they were checking into the um, what journalists were up to. They were looking into their records. God damn it. And now, of course, well, is this, well, and then everybody's, you know, will, will this be the line? Does he, was this the, will, will this be the line if they crossed a, a line finally that maybe we can, we can really uh, get together and have a, uh, a nonpartisan moment in time? At what point don't they get what he was doing? And for those of you out there who have still got some sort of, uh, you know, this, you know, affection for him or whatever, get, get, explain to me what you see that he was doing that, you know, they, defend it, defend this kind of nonsense, defend these, this fucking, uh, you know, this voting fraud shit. 
defend it. Instead of kind of bitching about it when I, I, I put something on Twitter or say something here. Huh? Defend it. It's ridiculous. And, and, and those of you who, who, who voted for some of these, any of you who vote for Gomer, you vote for him again, you, you have to go back to elementary school and start the fuck over, please, and get educated with him so that you, you get educated so you can teach him fucking something. God in heaven, at what point is the line going to be crossed? At what point don't you see what he was doing at the Justice Department? that he did see it as his own private attorneys, and that doesn't disturb you, that none of this stuff in terms of crossing lines disturbs people in terms of the, of the, of the Republican Party because they need those votes? Are you fucking shitting me? All you got to do is get some buses, you fucking idiots, okay? That's what you got to do, and you can bypass him. But no, stick with him. I, you know, that's really good. Stick with him so that we all we all drown in this nonsense and hoo-ha. Meanwhile, there was a royal baby. That, they call it a royal baby. They, they fucking have a, a show on uh, ABC. It, it's called America's Royal Baby. America's Royal Baby? No. We don't have a royal baby. It's not America's Royal Baby. We got no royal baby. That's their royal baby. And they didn't even want to be a part of that. So now they got a, that's their brand? Well, we're not Britain's royal baby. We're America's royal baby. Is that what you figured? Is that the way the cash flow works? I wonder what ABC paid for that. And at the border, let's hope they can get jobs to Guatemala. Let's hope they can nip this stuff in the bud, but it's going to take a long time. She's not been to the border. She said, that was a statement. That was an unusual statement, Vice President Harris. <laughs> well, I haven't been to the border. I haven't been to Europe. I think the border is kind of more important. And uh, and, and we got to, you know, it's, it, I'm not saying that uh, it, it, something has to be done. It's an emergency. It's an emergency uh, down there. Just from what I'm picking up. And I know nothing. And the more I, I pay attention to what's going on, the less I seem to know. Oh, yeah, and I forgot to tell you the big story of the week for me to be uh, finally, um, I read a lot of stuff from folks about how their health care plans are fucking them over. And I, I certainly this is minor in comparison to what I've read. But I had my moment. I have a... Uh, had a prescription I need. I won't go into the details of it, um, but to suffice to say that it's a really important prescription. It's the most in terms of, uh, uh, I don't know if I, if, I, if I die without it, but uh, I, get, I don't think I'm uh, functioned really nearly, not even close to as well. And I could possibly if, if, if I'm without it for long enough. So it's kind of a vital, of all the prescriptions I have, the most vital, let us, let us say. And there are a number of 
competing drugs, because you God knows that's what really is the important thing for us is to have these competing drugs that will, you know, and there's this is the newest one, and it has 16 different things going into it as opposed to the 30, the, the 14 or the 12 or the 9. And uh, I, I got a, uh, I went in to pick it up, and the, uh, I didn't bring my phone along because I kind of wanted to get away from my phone. I try to do that. And uh, so, because, you, know, you, you know, like I said, you know, I put it next to my, it's, like it's, I put it in my pocket so it, it, it heats up my genitals. Maybe that's what we could do. We could put pockets uh, in caribou so that uh, they could have uh, phones and that could heat them up rather than so they wouldn't need the pipelines. And then we, that would be one way for us to deal with, you know, getting rid of those pipelines and, and, and possibly the tragedy of global, you know, climate, of climate change. There, there's a little solution. But I, I'm, I digress. <laughs> so um, so I, go, I go down to see what my, uh, my copay is for the drug, and it's, it's a chunk. It's like 100, 140, let's say, let's round off 150 bucks a month is what it's going to be. More than what I was paying for the other one. And I'm like, whew, um, you know, uh, and my uh, pharmacist, and they're great. And I have to say that. Um, the folks at uh, Dwayne Reed on uh, in my neighborhood have been, that pharmacy I've gone to for years. And uh, before that, I had another pharmacy, same, a great neighborhood pharmacy, and they, they left. And then I started going to this one, and they've been my pharmacy for 15 years now, maybe longer. And they're always on top of it. And they said, boy, I think you can get a, a deal on this. Yes, you can. So I said, um, I said, I didn't bring my phone. I can't. Well, go on home. And I went on home to go online because there was supposed to be a coupon. And that could lower it to zero. I didn't figure I could get it to zero, but I thought I might be able to get it down. And, but that was the option. It went to zero. And I filled in a, a little questionnaire. And when it was done, it... Might as well. I had just a a, a little uh, little hand with a finger, a middle finger popped out, going, "Hey, uh, Glaxo Smith Klein says go fuck yourself," and uh, because if, if you have to be, I'm over sixty five, and so I can't get it. If you're on Medicare, I don't think you could get it either. I'm not sure. So I had to pay one hundred and fifty bucks. And I went back to see my pharmacist. And my pharmacist said, oh, no, you should be able to get this. I said, no, I, I'm too old. I'm too old to get it. The, the, now, that would, would, would seem to me that would be when you would need it, not according to GlaxoSmithKline and the deal they, were, they wanted to give, so they weren't going to do it. There was a number I could call, so I did. And they told me, nope, can't do it. Won't be able to help you. I said, well, you know, there's no way that this is kind of high. I said, you know, it's a lot of money each year. It's a big chunk of change per month. I mean, and I'm very, and I've said this time and again, I'm very lucky that I can pay that. It's a big ticket for a lot of people. And there are a lot of people, I'm sure, who are in my position. 
they said, but you can call someone, another part of our company, and maybe, maybe they're charging you too much. And then I called them. Now it's an, an hour and a half, two hours of my life of just kind of wanting to get, I don't want to pay. I've, I've paid in for years now to my health insurance company, and they keep kind of changing the prescription plan make it better and more convenient for me, meaning it becomes more of a pain in the ass. And, um, and sometimes the co-pays are like this one. They just, you know, just go, hey, bend over. So uh, I called and they went, no, there's nothing we can do. I don't know how they, you know, you, you're really going to have to call your insurance people. And because I had been exhausted by the day, the two hours and that I needed to get back and to kind of work on this rant cast. I went, Nope, we're done. I need this and I'm going to get it and we'll try again. And I'll, I'll call my prescription people when I have the energy and, and I'll need the energy to be nice is what I'll need. Cause that's what you have to be. Can't call these people up and scream at them. There's a tip from somebody who yells all the time. Always be empathetic. I know how hard your job is. But I think you have to understand, you know, is there any way that I think you can see what my problem might be? It's just awful. It's awful for folks who can't be helped. I just think it's disgusting. And I have the time to do it. You know, they don't even they don't have the time. They don't have the money. It's 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 reprehensible. Fucking reprehensible. Does it occur in other countries that have um, these kind of plans that uh, are put together so that the people can you know, you know, don't have to basically deal with the stress of hoping that they can survive to the next day. They don't go through this. Sometimes, you know, in a lot of ca- cases, it's free. Here, take it. And don't tell me the story of, oh, you know, here you can see the doctor faster. I've heard way too many of those stories, too. So fuck you. Finally, from the University of Wisconsin. New guidelines for campus speech affirm students' right to be free from any official speech code, but also from hearing any insulting and demeaning comments. Well, that's the yin and yang of it, huh? You can say whatever you want, but you don't. But <laughs> but you have to be be sure that people don't hear it. What? 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 Well, spoken by Laura Belts of the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, said why colleges often contradict themselves on free speech, it is rare for a school to make this contradiction in a single sentence. The right just, you know, it looks looks for us to to be in 1914, 45, 52, whatever, and the the left wants to live in a, in a, you know, in a period of uh, like whatever they want to call it. I mean, the left has got this boat that just kind of continues to float into the ocean in some ways, the far left. This whole idea that something has to be, you know, that we have to do everything that we can to have the freedom of speech without any of its consequences. That's the deal. It's like... Um, People, the reason I like the ACLU folks, when I did a gig for them, to put it quite simply, is, is that I'd said, I could say the word fuck in front of them, and I knew that it really upset a lot of people that I said the word fuck, but they would defend my right to say it. That's the simplest way to put it. And we'll end with uh, yet another uh, uh, 
kind of a, this is another lawmaker along the lines of the Louis Gohmert. The Republican state lawmaker wants to make Louisiana a fossil fuel sanctuary state. <laughs> the bill from Danny McCormick, or Danny McCormick, an oil company executive, an oil company executive, an oil company executive, would prohibit state and local employees from enforcing any federal environmental law directive or tax that might hurt the oil industry. Asked if this were constitutional, McCormick said, I don't know who would have a problem with it, honestly. He doesn't know who would have a problem with it, honestly, huh? A problem with an oil company executive who is uh, trying to pass a bill and he's a representative in the bill. Are you serious? Uh, that prohibits state and local employees, I repeat again, from enforcing any federal environmental law directive or tax that might hurt the oil industry? You shitting me? I got an objection to it. God, a sanctuary state for, for fossil fuels. Fuck you. Night has fallen. Ball game over. Enough is enough, okay? You know, how many fires you need to watch? How much of a drought you need to see? God. All right. I'll stop. <laughs> we'll end on a fuck you and, uh, and a happy Father's Day to all of you out there, all of you fathers. I hope it's a, a splendid one and great to be uh, with your families and um, all of your uh, friends, I hope. Uh, everybody vaxxed up, barbecuing, hugging, kissing, and having a ball. I hope so. I truly hope so. It's, you know, I know we're taking baby steps back to reality. Some of you may be further along. I know that probably further along than I am, but uh, enjoy it. I hope it's a, a great weekend coming up. I know that uh, I got an announcement to make on, uh, once again, to remind you that July 26th, I've got a show, my first show back at Chautauqua, uh, in the Chautauqua Institution, and uh, not the mental institution, an educational institution for families, and a great outdoor venue, and uh, me, me making my way back to, hopefully, uh, comedy again. <laughs> and uh, should be an interesting night. You be able to, you you could say, oh, boy, I was there the night I saw him, and that was it, and he was done. He walked off the stage. We never saw him again. I think he walked straight to the lake. And then uh, June 18th, the end of this week, tickets go on sale for the uh, my tour, which starts revving up in September. And it would be, uh, if you go to the, my website, lewisblack.com, I think you can find out uh, where I'll be. And if not, you'll be hearing those announcements on Monday, if you haven't, and about uh, if I'm going to be in your neck of the woods. And um, I hope so. If not, I will be there eventually, I promise, as we roll through on the It Gets Better Every Day Tour Part Duo again. <laughs> and, um, we'll give it another shot. You know, it would be a great time to maybe think about joining the Fuck You Fan Club if you're thinking about uh, getting tickets. You'll get better seats, guaranteed, that's for sure, at a lower price. You won't have to deal with Ticketmaster. You'll actually deal with human beings. And uh, if you wonder where that $20 goes, it goes to uh, making it all possible and making sure that you get that seat and it will still be cheaper than... Uh, the good folks at, at Ticketmaster, oh, they're good. They're very good at what they do. 
aren't they? And um, we we hope to uh, you know bring you uh, all sorts of other um, possible things that we're trying to put together, and I can't even think of them. I know that there's something coming up that I think you'll really get a kick out of, plus the 130 hours that are in the vault, and uh, of me just going uh, you know down there yelling and screaming about all the things that I've been yelling and screaming about for years. So join us. This week, big news, get to see mom, and that'll be a treat. Uh, you know, that'll be nice to spend some time with her. And uh, she kind of comes, you know, I call it, she's in an orbit. You know, sometimes she's here, sometimes she's there. But boy, her mind is still, even when she's there, and she puts a story together. It's got a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it's unbelievable. Still strong mentally in that fashion. Okie doke. I'll tell Jeanette you all said hi. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Stephanie Houck has a rant about some rants that we've received. This rant is a continuation of the rant about the person who ranted about UPS. I have minimal issues with either FedEx or UPS. I've had more fucking issues with the fucking post office than even DHL. How fucking hard is it to look at the address on the mail and put it in the correct mailbox? which is clearly marked, I know. I have seen my street address on the fucking mailbox. And yet time after time, I've had an unsuspecting knock at my door with my nice neighbors telling me that my small package of customized pillowcases with my favorite WWF wrestler on it was put in their mailbox by mistake. Have all the U.S. mail carriers had their brains eaten? For fuck's sake, my four-year-old can get this right. 
and he's only four. Well, Stephanie, so so now it, people don't like UPS, people don't like FedEx. No one's really yelled about, I can't remember the DHL, no one's yelled about DHL really. And now you've thrown the mail under the bus, so maybe it's time just to the Pony Express. Um, I really appreciate that. I have to say that I, uh, I'm i a fan of the mail, and I don't know if this has been as of late, the, uh, this complaint of yours, because you have to realize during the pandemic, um, uh, the uh, and also before it, the, uh, our fearless leader um, had installed as the post uh, uh, postmaster general, uh, Louis DeJoy, who did everything he could to undermine uh, the fact that people would be getting their mail on time at all. Um, and I'm sure it didn't help any of those working at the post office to have to deal with somebody like that. I worked for the post office. Yes, I did. Uh, right after just getting out of high school. That was my, my summer job. And whew, I worked from... Uh, Midnight uh, till eight in the morning or something like that, 11 to eight, whatever, camp, 11.30, whatever it was, it was 8.30, whatever, my half hour for, for whatever you eat in the middle of the, it was horrible. I mean, the, it, it, working that night shift was brutal. I would literally wake up and uh, I, I'd be, and I would see instead of my, that I was, I, I, instead of seeing the pillow I was sleeping on, I saw uh, that it looked, it would say, um, you know, it would be the sacks of mail. I was sleeping on sacks of mail. It took like minutes for me to kind of wake up to realize I had not been sleeping on sacks of mail. Uh, I had a profound respect for those who, who really do everything that they can to try to keep the, you know, the, the impossible going, which is to try to get mail to folks at a, at that, you know, an insanely low cost. And uh, you also have to realize that the other part of the problem is, is with the, the mail is, is they were tortured by the fact that Congress, in its infinite wisdom years ago, made the decision that they should have to start contributing to their health care fund way in advance. So they were really gouging uh, the, the folks at the post office and in terms of, uh, uh, you know, making it look like they were going broke because, uh, you know, it's it's not going to make money. And I know this isn't what you were talking about, but I, I do think it's it's important. There are a lot of people who depend on it. And I'm, I'm sorry that they're fucking you over, uh, but I'm wondering if it, if it did happen during this time period that Louis DeJoy was in charge, who, by the way, it's going to be under a little bit of investigation for some of the way he handled campaign, uh, his campaign funds, the way he sent uh, money into uh, our fearless leaders campaign back then, which is how he got the job. Of course, a lot of them get jobs that way. Um, a lot of Democratic fundraisers, a lot of Republican fundraisers, but he was doing it in an unusual kind of a way. He was giving, he was having uh his employees contribute to uh, the Republicans, and then um, he would reimburse them. 
Naughty, naughty. Naughty, fuck naughty. But thank you, Stephanie. I do hope that all of your customized pillowcases arrive on time now at your mailbox. Thank you. A rant about Social Security and why not? (laughs) It comes to us from Jeff Beatty. I would like to talk about dealing with Social Security or what I have come to call dealing with social insecurity. On November 6th of 2020, my wife passed away. I miss her very much. The following week, I began calling credit card companies, the bank, etc., to get everything canceled. One of my first calls was to Social Security. I was told by a rather pleasant young woman that my wife's Social Security that was due for deposit in two days was for October, and as a result, she or I was entitled to it. What we're going to do, she said, is take the money back, then send you a form to complete and return, and we will issue you a check. Thank you, I said. Several weeks went by and nothing. I can see the money sitting in our bank account on hold. So I called again, by the way. Every phone call was a minimum of 45 minutes on hold. This time, I was told to call the bank and tell them to release the funds, which I did and was told by the banker that they couldn't release the funds until Social Security told them to. Shit. So back to Social Security. Ooh, 45 minutes. This time I was asked question after question. Where was she born? When was she born? When did she die? Where did she die? Where did she grow up? What was her father's first and last name? What was her mother's maiden name? What is my social security number? What was my date of birth? Where was I born? What was my mother's maiden name? And on and on and on. I swear, Lewis. The only question she didn't ask me was how big my dick was. At this time, she was typing away and told me she was going to transmit all of this to my local social security office. She was kind enough to give me the local phone number to follow up. Time passes. I decide to follow up with the local social security office. The phone rings and I get a recording saying, all calls are being transferred to the main office. God damn it. There are a couple of calls here too, where I waited 45 minutes to be disconnected. More time passes. I decide to try again. 45 minutes. This time I get another real person. The first thing I ask is, are you local? Dallas. She tells me, no, there is so much background noise on her and I can barely hear her. Sounds like she's talking to me from under a railroad trestle or a subway that's elevated. Oh, oh, police sirens too. I asked her if they were coming for her. Anyway, here we go again. Question after question, same ones, shit. I dutifully answered them all again and was assured that all of the information would be transmitted again to the Dallas Social Security office. More time passes. Another call. An hour and a half wait this time. By the way, the money all this time is in our account on hold. When I finally get a representative and explain it to her, she tells me, that's your money. Call the bank back and tell them to release those funds. And then she adds, wait for it. What's the matter with them? 
So, back to the bank. I told him what Social Security had said. He told me he would check with legal and call me back. The next day, he tells me that lacking a document from Social Security, the funds would automatically be released on May 15th. Over six months, over six months since my wife passed away. We'll see. I read back through this and realized I didn't use the word fuck one time. So, fuck you, Social Security. I'm sorry that for your loss. You know, it, it's not enough. And it, I, there are never words for this, Jeff, you know. But it's amazing. I've, I've been trying to deal with uh, my father, who's passed away. I guess it's almost, it'll be three years now coming up. Unbelievably, I'm trying to get his, uh, the insurance money to my mother. It's, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's extraordinary. Yeah, we'll get right on it. Just get us these papers. We'll get you these forms. But I didn't have to stay on the phone long. Nope. They just are going to hold it and email hell. Thanks for that, Jeff. This rant was sent in by Grant Gauthier. Can you tell me how people have the time to get so goddamn good at video games? that they can attend worldwide tournaments and be part of leagues that pay hundreds of fucking thousands of dollars if they win? I barely have time to find clean underwear in the morning before work, let alone sit in front of my goddamn TV for 19 hours a day to figure out every little fucking twist and turn in a make-believe fucking game so I could travel and maybe win money. I've tried to play some of these games that these people are so fucking obsessed with, and as soon as the starting menu comes on, I have a goddamn stroke. I tend to get to that menu, turn it right the fuck off, go outside and drown myself. The glory of cold water washing over me as I think about the fucking time it takes to perfect a game that has more wrinkles and hairy situations than my nutsack is almost enough to make me orgasm. However, I believe it's frowned upon to ejaculate in a public pool. So I stick to groggily and frantically searching for a pair of nut huggers that doesn't smell like my asshole every morning. If I got paid enough to sit in front of a TV all goddamn fucking day and talk shit about people's mothers that I've never met or will never meet again, I would be the fucking president of the fucking United States. Or in my case, the prime fucking minister of fucking Canada. I'm holding out hope that one day in my lifetime, the leaders of our respective countries will just be a virtual chimpanzee that just smears fucking shit on the lens of the camera whenever I ask a question about the economy. P.S. Do you play video games? Uh, no, Grant. No. Um, I've, I've tried to do a few. I mean, I, I used to do the, there was a golf one we played for a while. <laughs> Would you rather join me at my local public swimming pool? Uh, no, not at all. Mm -mm. Uh, and as I've said time and again, when I when I see a, a body of water, be it at the beach or in a pool, what I see is an ear infection. Thanks for that, Grant. And I fully understand. I had a friend of mine's kid uh, was actually made uh, made money while in school and, and after playing video games. Had an audience, everything. I don't think it's for us, Grant. Unless you're a very young man, I don't think it's for us. Not to make money, 
you can play it. I was terrible. It was at uh, Grand Theft Auto. Uh, somehow I ended up with that, and uh, somebody gave me that. I never could figure it out. I couldn't figure it out in real life. <laughs> A rant where the name has been withheld. They'll find you. They'll find you. <laughs> Thanks so much for the rant cast. It's one of the highlights of my week. If I have a long trip for work, I sometimes save them up. Yes, I live a sad life. Well, anyway, I've debated writing this one because it's so selfish. And to even think these thoughts that it begins to trigger the self-loathing brought on by being raised Catholic. But I declare myself an atheist now. So maybe it's therapeutic to get these sick thoughts out in the open. See, I did it again. It's so hard to quit this fucking shit that was baked in at such a young age. Especially especially when it gets rebaked during a pandemic. So anyway, when the pandemic hit last year, I found myself in the category of essential workers. Not that my job is super fucking special, but my employer thinks it is. So there's that. I'll I tell you what I do, but uh, I'd probably be fired for having these selfish thoughts. You see, when the pandemic hit and everyone was forced to stay home or was laid off or whatever, my commute to work got so much easier. No longer was I fighting with tens of thousands of others through construction, overcrowded interstates and crashes every morning to get to work. Each way I was getting a half hour of my life back, an hour a day. Fuck, kind of nice, kind of less stressful, kind of selfish, of course, but really fucking nice. And with everyone in hiding or laid off, it lessened my chances of catching COVID. And speeding, the cops weren't pulling any super speeders over. But now my commuter brothers and sisters are coming back to join me on the highways every morning. But good for them. Welcome back. I haven't missed you. I'm happy you can fucking go back to work and school, though. Yeah, happy. <laughs> I bet you're happy. <laughs> Name withheld. But who invited the motherfuckers who crash their cars every morning? Who asked them back? God damn it. Who are these people? Is that their job? Crashing cars? And none of us miss the fucking Uber or DoorDash drivers that stop in the middle of city streets blocking traffic. Who asked them back? Or the slow drivers are in the left lane. God damn it. Even the guy who drives the Wienermobile knows not to do that. I witnessed it last week with my own two selfish eyes. So back to normal, where I can start to direct my anger at idiot drivers instead of my own self for enjoying the solitude of the pandemic. Thank you for the public service you provide here, Lewis. And thank you, name withheld. You don't need to feel... You, you certainly don't need to feel selfish for having enjoyed that kind of, I mean, for God's sake, there was so little to enjoy during that time period. If you, anything, the, anything that gave you joy, one couldn't call selfish. One could call it survival. I don't know why you, you withheld your name, but um, I, I guess it has to do with you said your job. It's just going to get worse, the traffic. Good luck with that. This came in from Fed Up White Bitch. <laughs> wow. Hi, Lewis. Just a quick note. I just got done watching John Oliver's latest episode about black hair and how white people can't deal with it. 
I didn't even know that was a thing. I've seen so many black women and men with beautiful hair, and I've been compared to the color of Casper the Friendly Ghost with a bird's nest for a head. I feel like a creeper when I stare at their gorgeous hair, wishing my greasy white-ass head could have the buoyancy that theirs does. I had the courage to speak up once and tell a black woman her hair was gorgeous. She obviously took time to style and prepare it, and it totally suited her. She immediately beamed and thanked me. I think of her every once in a while and still hope she rocks her hair every day like that. But John's episode got me to thinking, why the fuck is hair an issue for a job? I mean, for anyone, unless you have half your hair burned off and the other half covered in twigs and leaves, because seriously, you're obviously on drugs. Why should anyone care? What does that mean, professional look? There are so many different standards for so many people. Why the fuck can't white people mind their business and keep to themselves? The only time I will ever complain about a black woman's hair is that I could never have it or pull it off. I'd look like an unkempt cabbage patch kid, and that makes me sick. I just want to be pretty like them. Afros look so beautiful on black people. Also, dreadlocks. I truly hope they make a comeback. And white people, Karens, shut the fuck up about it. I also want to have greater confidence in stating when people in general look good. Yes, it feels awkward, but having a random person come up and express their admiration for how you look good feels so great. As long as it's not creepy and sexist. Nice guys, I'm looking at you. Learn the fucking difference. I think we all need to get in the habit of saying aloud to people, you look great in that color. Your hair is fantastic. Your smile makes me happy. Shit like that. I truly think the world would be a happier place if we could just let go, encourage others, and stop being creepy as fuck or expecting anything out of a compliment. Black people, rock out your gorgeous hairstyles. I'm always super jealous. And why do so many of you have beautiful voices while I sound like Golem singing in a cave? So unfair. Please know that you have allies. Well, thank you, fed up white bitch. And I don't think you should refer to yourself as a bitch. That was quite sweet and quite on the money. And uh, and I think if you want to be an ally, you should have you shouldn't you should have you could have left your name. People would have appreciated that. I would have, but I'm just glad you sent it in. And I appreciate the time and energy you put into it. William Grimwood is pissed, and rightfully so. There's a level of stupidity that is existing in my home province of Ontario, Canada, right now that is staggering. The Premier of Ontario, Doug Ford, has handled every aspect of the pandemic, like he's attempting to pick up jello while wearing oven mitts. I can go off on any number of subjects that he's shit the bet on, but there's only one that has pissed me off beyond belief. When he issued a mandatory stay-at-home order for our third wave of infections, he ordered the closure of all golf courses. Oh, yeah. 
Because when I think of COVID hotspots, I don't think of Amazon warehouses, factories, or any sort of big box stores. No, uh, what I think of are wide open stretches of the outdoors with freshly cut grass that my golf ball will never land on. I think of trees that will invariably get in the path of my ball and the tiny hole I'm attempting to put it into. And I think of ponds and rivers that will most likely take away my hopes of a good approach shot and a hope at par. Lewis, where I live, we only get about three months of summer. We were gifted with an early spring this year, and the hopes of getting out on a course filled me with such joy. But this bloated Trump lover who sweats a full layer of maple syrup whenever he has to step up on a curb decided that golf courses were to be closed because, and this is a direct quote, you know, they pick up another buddy, two or three, they go out golfing, and there's nothing wrong with golfing. The problem is the mobility. So his fear is people getting in a car with one or two friends who might have the virus. Okay, pray tell. Where did he get this information? Not from infectious disease specialists or the board of medical personnel he's ignored since the start of the pandemic. He got this scientific data from, and I quote here, one of his buddies. Ooh, one of his buddies said that to look at him. You know he has no friends, so don't pull that shit on us. The truth is, he probably spent two grand on a new set of clubs, and because he possesses the athletic ability of an elephant on stilts, he still can't shoot under triple digits. So he figures if he can't enjoy golf, no one can. Ontario is the only place on the planet right now that you can't play golf. Seriously. India is the most COVID-ravaged place on the planet, but you can still get in a quick nine. If you want to freeze your balls off, you can probably play around in Antarctica. But in Ontario, even though all last year courses made every precaution possible to avoid transmission, every scientist and health practitioner says it's safe, and everyone has been suffering from cabin fever for months, the pile of toxic waste wearing a stretched-out Trump mask elected to run our province not only won't budge on the matter, he's just announced he's extending the stay-at-home order for two more weeks. Please, Lewis, I just ask you to do one thing for me. The next time you go out to play around, please think of those of us here in Ontario. But if you shank your ball into the woods, please think of me and know that if I had a chainsaw, I'd help you get out of there. Wow. That's unbelievable, William. That is just unbelievable. And I feel for you. And I will think of you. And hopefully I'll... I'm supposed to get out this week, but it might rain. But um, And even if I'm at home, I will think, uh, God, I couldn't play golf. But you are really... I couldn't play because of the elements. You can't play because you've got an elemental idiot to deal with. That's unbelievable. That's unbe-fucking-leavable. Even now? Still? I hope that uh, you get back on the course soon and uh, and enjoy the pain and self-loathing that only a golfer can understand. Kim Lockman has a tale to tell, and I think it's worth sharing. Hello, Lou. I live in Montana, and for the most part, it's a beautiful place. That said, the little town I live in has turned into a steaming pile of calf scours. Cow diarrhea to the layperson. When I was a kid, Belt, Montana was a rural community with a Mayberry feel. Okay, maybe 
not quite that pure, but still pretty good. There was a grocery store, a hardware store, several bars, a couple of restaurants, a gas station, a grain elevator, a grade school and high school, and several churches. The houses were kept up by their owners, and there were three cops employed by the town to make sure people behaved. Other than normal shenanigans, it was a good place to be. Unfortunately, that's not the case anymore. I moved back to Belt, which will hereafter be known as Fuckville, 15 years ago, so my son could attend high school and get the small town experience like I had. What a fucking mistake. In my absence, Fuckville had turned into a dilapidated, lawless, drug-infested, low-end-of-the-food-chain, scumbag, garbage-laden, decaying shithole of epic proportions. Oh, I sigh. No, I wasn't being entirely truthful there. Fifteen years ago, it was on its way, but it hadn't crossed the river yet into total slum status. The cancer growing in the town hadn't taken root, though. It was small and not easily detectable in the light of day. But it was there, lurking in the shadows. So I didn't fucking see it when I bought a house and moved back. Fuck. Talk about buyer's remorse. God. After moving in, I had a rude awakening. When the sun went down, the crazies came out, and it was a free-for-all most nights of the week until the wee-wee hours of the morning. How can this be allowed to go on, I asked myself, and I paid a visit to City Hall, only to be informed that having local police had been abandoned several years earlier due to budget constraints. I didn't, I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> wow. If I needed help... I would have to contact the sheriff's department on the other side of the county and talk to them. Oh, lucky me. I now lived in a place where there were no cops. So basically people do what they always do when there are no guardrails. They behave badly. The lack of law enforcement made Fuckville the location of choice for party animals, drug dealers, and shady characters from miles in all directions. A few of the people around me made it a regular practice to have loud all-nighters that made sleep impossible. I was forced to start contacting the sheriff's department, as instructed, to get any sleep. This made me real popular with the asshole crowd, and I had to start looking over my shoulder and locking my place up like Fort Knox. Hey, I like to let loose sometimes. I've got nothing against having some fun and blowing off steam once in a while, but this was way the fuck over the line. At any rate, that was the beginning of my realization that things had changed drastically. The one good thing was that at least at that point, most of the homes around me were kept up and visually things didn't look too bad. However, during the last 15 years, that's changed too. The older people who took care of shit have died and their families have sold the houses, let a deadbeat relative move in or turn them into low-income rentals. The places all around me are going to shit and I'm stuck in the middle of this fucking redneck ghetto and can literally hear my property value going down by the day. Garbage everywhere. Junk vehicles, barking dogs, deadbeats living in campers. 
shit in massive disrepair. Grass and weeds up to your ass. It's un-but-fucking-leavable. Fuckville has now reached the description I gave initially. A dilapidated, lawless, drug-infested, low-end-of-the-food-chain, scumbag, garbage-laden, decaying shithole of epic proportions. I'm pretty sure there were areas of Watts during the fucking riots that looked better than most areas of Fuckville, Montana. I've gone to city council meetings and tried to get them to do their jobs and enforce ordinances on the books that deal with many of the issues I've described. But I might as well be talking to a fucking brick wall because they don't give a shit. In fact, half of them are part of the offending population. They tell me that you can't fault people for being poor. Poor? Poor? Really? Are you fucking shitting me? Last time I checked, being poor doesn't mean you can't pick up your fucking garbage and have a little consideration for your neighbors. Let me be clear here. I'm a fucking poor middle-aged woman with a disability to boot, and I still manage to pick my shit up and have a little common courtesy. Give me a fucking break. Sadly, the crack whores and redneck asswipes have intimidated most decent people, and many of them have left. I'd leave too if I could afford to, but I'm too fucking poor and I can't. So here I am, stuck in Fuckville, Montana, full of rage and nowhere to put it. Until now. Thanks for listening. Kim Lockman. Thanks for getting it out there, Kim. And I hope that helps on some level. I'm sorry. You, you're stuck there. I believe in a lot of ways so many people are. I drive through these places as I rover roll around the country, and um, every so often I wonder, you know, who's behind those walls? I hope the city council does what it should do, and I, and I hope maybe, uh, you know, maybe go to the, you know, <clears throat> I don't know if I'm crazy, but if you go to the University of Montana, maybe ask them to come over to see if there's something that, that they might do there, you know, that they might send a group of kids over there to try to, you know, and a professor who actually might want to do something. I always know when places are, uh, are kind of having got the cash that they used to have that, uh, I mean, even the minimal amount of cash that might've been in belt before it became Fuckville, um, that sometimes those become places that's, that someone just getting started can really kind of make a go of things, especially now that we've got the, the ability to just work from anywhere. I, I know that's really kind of me just prattling on, but I wanted to at least try to give some help. even if It was kind of meager, I guess. Thanks for getting that uh, out there. I think it's important to get that stuff out of your system. Thank you, Kim. I am pleased to be reading this from a fellow Marylander. That's right. From whence I came, Darren Martone. Dear Mr. Black, I recently graduated from Howard High School in Howard County, Maryland, and I've been listening to your content for years. While on my way to my graduation ceremony, I was listening to one of your previous rants, and you had mentioned that you'd lived in Silver Spring, Maryland. Then something clicked in my mind. 
wanting to contribute to the community of ranchers, I have decided to make this rant about the state of Maryland, but specifically the history, or yes, lack thereof, in my high school classroom. During my freshman year of high school, I took a state-mandated American history class. The teacher was nice, and the workload was okay, and I have little to no complaints about her teaching style or the classroom environment. But to my knowledge, and according to my Google Drive, where I did my schoolwork, the state of Maryland, when writing their ninth grade U.S. history course, only mentioned the state four times. <laughs> and those topics, that's so perfect. Those topics are about Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, Francis Scott Key, and Edgar Allan Poe. And by the way, we only spent one day on Frederick and Harriet, which is appalling. Also, Edgar Allan Poe isn't even from Maryland. He's from Boston. Maryland is only known for Poe because this is the place where he died. Poe also married his 13-year-old first cousin at the age of 27, just for some food for thought. Then there's the slave-owning lawyer from Frederick, who was too stupid to duck and cover in an active war that everybody seems to have collectively forgotten about, despite having the Capitol ransacked, then destroyed by a tornado the following day. To make a long story not too short, these four people are to the rest of the country what Maryland is all about. And while that's true about Frederick and Harriet, it cannot be said about the other two. Now, I'm not saying that they aren't important. I'm just saying that there are more important things worth talking about. Like, for instance, a more in-depth analysis of the Maryland campaign of the Civil War. Or how half of Baltimore fucking burnt down and nobody died. Or how the first fighting of the Civil War happened during the Baltimore riots. There's also the fact that the first commuter rail service in the country ran by the B&O Railroad, was from Baltimore to Ellicott City, which is a 10-minute drive from my house and is in the same town that my high school is in. The railroad company mm -hmm, linked 13 states and paved the way for the industrialization of the Appalachian region. These are just a handful of historical events that I think should have been covered in my ninth grade history class rather than a slave owner who knew a little poetry. That being, of course, Francis Scott Key, who I did not know was a slave owner. I don't even know if they mentioned him in my high school class. I, I, I mentioned this before, but I went um, uh, wandering about the Eastern Shore a while back, Darren, and um, I happened to stumble on the uh, Harriet Tubman Museum there. And I was stunned. I said, so what is this doing here? and went in and, and realized that she was from Maryland. And we had never, never been taught this, ever, beyond belief. Maybe Frederick Douglass, but I don't even think he was. It's unbelievable. It's astonishing. I, I was kind of amazed at this phenomenal story. You know, that story alone should be taught to all kids in a history class, especially ninth grade because of the nature of the fact, of the, of, of the fortitude, of the determination, of, the, I'm, of, the, the, you know, of someone who has a goal and sticks to it through beyond, being, being pounded and being, I can't even, up against obstacles that are staggering. 
I would have lasted. I, uh, I, well, it, it, I, 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 I wouldn't have gotten past 11 with what she dealt with. It, it, it's an extraordinary tale for those of you who have not seen it. You can watch the movie to make it easier on yourselves. The, it is what used to be the classics illustrated, I'm Aging Myself comic book for many of us. It has now become the uh, biopic. Um, I'm really uh, pleased with this, Darren. I did not know Francis Scott Key was a, a slave owner, but I do know that he knew a little about poetry. And uh, I'm very glad you shared that and I'm, uh, shared that with us. And I'm thrilled that um, you were you're younger because um, I'm, I'm I'm glad to know that I'm, uh, I'm, t- I'm 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 reaching across a generational divide. Uh, it's important because if if I'm not I think it's time to hang up the cleats. Yes, Siri Bob. If they're still wearing them, <laughs> that may be a reason for me to hang them up. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with us. I hope, uh, boy, you had a hell of a year to get through, and uh, congratulations. I hope the next uh, few years brings you uh, more knowledge, more wisdom, and uh, and better, you know, and, and, and that the course is... Uh, really do what they should be doing and don't hide shit from you. As I've been going through these um, these rants that have been sent in, I, uh, I realized some fell through the cracks. This one probably should have been read sooner, uh, I believe. I, but it says, it says on it uh, that it was a, a month old. Maybe it's longer than that. Um, uh, I, I don't I don't know. It's it's on an iPad. You can't trust it. How, how does the iPad know what day it is? <laughs> but uh, it it still applies um, with what goes on here, and it's I think it's important. And uh, it's always good when we hear from a neighbor from the north. And this one comes from Robert Frejo. Bonjour, Louis. I'm writing from the comfort of my igloo in Montreal, Canada, using my instant translator so my accent doesn't throw you off because, oui, oui, you are welcome. I like Americans. Why wouldn't I? After all, my maternal grandmother was from Vermont, which means I have plenty of cousins that I adore south of the 49th parallel. My beef is with the ignorance Americans show in their misunderstanding of what happens outside their borders. Of course, no one is expected to know at all times everything that is happening on the blue marble. However, I don't feel ignoring who your next door neighbor is, is to be good neighborly relations. I mean, sometimes, not always, America is the neighbor that doesn't say hello and who has a washing machine and an old pickup truck on cinder blocks on their front lawn. I like Americans regardless. That ignorance regarding the outside world comes in many shapes and forms, from believing that Americans are the only ones on the planet qualified to talk about freedom. We get universal health care, and in Quebec, where I live, we have near-free universities. Oh, yeah, we are oppressed as fuck, to the belief that Canadians are communists. (laughs) Funny enough, Americans who believe that are the same ones who wear T-shirts that read, Better Red Than Dem. When I was a kid, remember the Cold War? Americans would wear T-shirts that read, better dead than red. My, 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 how times have changed. This ignorance is alive and well on social media, where some Canadians, like myself, 
who are news junkies, are very active commenting on American politics. I swear on a crucified Jesus' six-pack abs that if I'm told one more time to shut the fuck up and mind my own Canuck business, that American politics are for Americans only, I'm going to go full William Foster on everyone's ass, played by Michael Douglas in the movie Falling Down. Try me, motherfuckers. I kid, of course. Whether people like it or not, the world is getting smaller and smaller, and shit is going global. Therefore, America is not a closed circuit, and acting like it is is counterproductive. Thing is, Lewis, American politics influence ours. We enjoy, for better or for worse, an osmotic relationship. So much so that we too have our right-wing nutjobs bent on gaslighting and destroying democracy. Our state-of-nature-loving wackos differ from yours in two aspects. First, ours are somewhat potty-trained. Yours would pinch a loaf on the Mona Lisa thinking it's a fucking Chuck E. Cheese placemat. And second, ours parrot GOP talking points on global issues because our conservative assholes haven't had original idea since the mid-80s. See what I'm getting at, Lewis? We Canadians have to fight right-wing assholes in America in order to make it easier, easier for us to fight them at home. That's why we are vocal on American politics. Americans shouldn't bitch about our involvement because we have a vested interest in doing so. Yeah, uh, believe it or not, we do. We are neighbors, which means we have an interest in making sure our neighbor's house doesn't catch fire because fire could spread to our house. Since Trump was elected, our neighbor's house was turned into a fucking psych ward. And the patients are running around with matches in their open hospital gowns with their ass hanging out. Not a pretty sight, Lewis, because your psych ward is on fire and the wind is blowing our way. All that to say that we Canadians deserve special status in commenting on your political scene. Thank you and your listeners for indulging a beaver skin hat wearing neighbor to rant. I feel better now. Merci beaucoup, Louis. This is your friend and fan, Robert Pierre Frejo, Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Well, thank you, Robert. I really appreciated that. I've constantly felt our problem is, is that we have no clue as to our effect on the outside world. A number of Americans do. A number of Americans do travel. The number of Americans are empathetic when they travel, and they allow the travel to affect them. There are a number of Americans who just see it as a, oh, look, we're better than, they see we're better than they are, we're better than they are, we're better than they are, as opposed to learning things. It's really amazing. It comes from thinking you're great and continuing to repeat it over and over and over like some fucking psychotic mantra. I really appreciated it, what you had to say. I think it's important. Um, I know that a lot of the people who listen to my rantcast already know this, but uh, hopefully maybe they'll sneak it out to their friends who may not know it. It's important that people know that what happens here, you know, they're watching. The whole world is watching. Here's a historical rant by Susan Hayden. I was born in 1952. The first POTUS, President of the United States, 
I remember it was Dwight Eisenhower. He played golf and all the white men were happy. Then at age 10, I faced global nu thermal nuclear war and mutually assured destruction. But JFK had read Barbara Tuckman's Guns of August and decided to pass. LBJ got JFK out of the way and rewarded the military industrial complex by escalating the feudal conflict in Vietnam, then salving his conscience by ramming through overdue civil rights reform, resulting in the fascist backlash of Nixon, followed by Watergate and dirty tricks. Now our democracy turned to an honest man, but Ted Kennedy and the Northeast elite did everything they could to sabotage him. So voters decided the entire progressive thing was a big mistake. So let's go back to Pleasantville, electing an elderly, senile, grade B movie actor to deliver the one percenters script and the big lies of trickle down, the Loeffler curve and deregulation. Bush the elder made the mistake of being fiscally responsible, so the far right made him a one-termer. Bill Clinton joined the call of the right, pandering to the corporatists. The progressive era was over, but he couldn't keep his oddly curved penis in his pants, tarnishing any chance Gore had to overcome our system that allows a candidate who gets millions of fewer votes overall to lose. Ignoring warnings from Richard Clark and other analysts, Bush read my pet goat on 9-11. How that sweet idiot got two terms is a mystery, except this is when the divisions really escalated. So hope and change came along with Sarah Palin, who convinced the masses to reject the hero John McCain and vote for a one-term congressman with few real accomplishments. But hey, he's cool. Let's give him a shot and gave him the House and Senate. Unfortunately, he turned out to be very conservative, shooting his wad on a warmed-over Republican health insurance plan that, instead of simply opening up Medicare for all, was a blatant giveaway to the for-profit health insurance industry and forced a lot of young guys to pay for something they didn't want or need. Great. Just two years in, he lost Congress, and most everyone is disgusted with Obamacare. He gets very little accomplished in one re-election when Clint Eastwood talked to an empty chair, much to Mitt's dismay. The fascist turned to a failed reality TV show host. And now we've gone as middle of the road as possible to Biden, who, in his demented pursuit of bipartisanship, looks to be going down the Obama path to nothing much changes and possibly one term because the filibuster is worth losing our democracy for some reason. Hmm. I guess next we will return to the fascists and really become another failed democracy. I love America, but my faith is faltering. Well, we're not going to lose the filibuster because they're very, they think that's very important. It's absurd. Fucking nonsense. You know, the thing that, scares everybody out of the the uh, the filibuster is, is who's ever in power just can go crazy. But it just seems to me there should be, can't they come up with like five, like a narrow category of places that one can use the filibuster, a narrow category of votes, and that the, the, the real shit and the real operation of things has to be done by... Uh, 
by, you know, just a majority so that shit can get done. Maybe like if you're going to deal with a Supreme Court judge, maybe you need 60. Maybe. Who knows? I fucking. But Susan, I can see what. Well, you really you're not happy with either side as much as I have not been happy with either side. But I have to say that uh, that dipping our toe into the fascist pool was not fun, and I didn't enjoy it, and it's made my brain leak a little. Out, it kind of that gray matter. Every so often, I wake up and I, I, I look on my pillow, and there's just a touch of that gray matter, right there on my pillowcase. I go, "Wow, here's the 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 brain fairy who could leave a you know a check under my pillow for the little brain leakage." Okay, I think it's time for me to go. Thanks for that, Susan. This is a rant from a fellow New Yorker, and uh, I'm reading it to give you a sense of what's happening here during our elections, (laughs) because we're really losing our fucking minds. Uh, and, and, And Madeline Feliciano sent this along, and she has something to say. Well, Lewis, I thought I heard it all living in New York, but this past weekend I wanted to climb into the TV and slap AOC so she can wake up from whatever drug she was smoking. As most New Yorkers, I haven't had a good impression of our mayor in quite a long time. That's true. De Blasio, we, we, we have been losing our minds with him, okay? I'm going to, uh, everyone that I know, all of my friends, if we were to take a poll amongst them, whew, they're pissed. Even, I mean, it doesn't matter. The whole political spectrum, find he, he, how he ran for president was beyond our, uh, you know, we did, didn't understand that same way we didn't understand how the other guy ran. But what the fuck do we know? We're New Yorkers. So when the mayoral debate was on, I watched. Since I have made up my mind on who I wanted to vote for, we need someone who will be hard on crime as well as deal with homelessness and mental issues. Not an easy task, I know it, and it will be difficult. Well, on the debate stage, there's a lady who stated she wanted to stop hiring police and lower the amount of police we already have. What the fuck are you smoking here in New York when we have a high crime rate and gun violence? Huh? Well, is she she done, I thought? Then came Saturday when I heard that Congresswoman Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez endorsed this woman. Well, I wanted to slap her awake. What the fuck is wrong with you, AOC? Get rid of police to deal with mental issues? What does one fucking thing have to do with the other? We are in New York, as you know, Lewis, and we have a high rate of homelessness living in our subway systems. Some have mental issues and some do not causing the crime and attacks on the subway. And we have a high rate of gun violence. And as for the gun violence, we need to look into where are these guns coming from, and not everyone who shoots a gun has mental problems. And I'm not saying take away guns from those who legally bought and own them, so keep your pants on. We need to come to terms with illegal guns and the idiots that are shooting them at random, killing innocent adults and children. Yeah, a few more yesterday, uh, Madeline, as you know. This bitch wants to get rid of the police. Yes, I believe that the police should be better trained and should be held accountable for any wrongdoings, but we need them to keep law and order. What we need is someone who can work towards getting New Yorkers better wages because it is so expensive to live here. Better childcare, better ways of handling mental health issues, and better police training. And if you can't handle this, stop running for fucking mayor, asshole. We don't need you. Take care, Lewis. Hope your mom is well. 
Wow. Well, she lays the case out there. It's Madeline White. What's her name? It's Wiley, and I can't think of her first name, uh, who did. And it was weird. She she was one who kept talking. She drove me nuts. I mean, I've liked some of her analysis when I see her from time to time. Some of the times I don't agree with it, but she just well, it really bothered me during the debate because she just kept talking and, and talking. They kept saying, be nope, don't talk. You know, you're done. Your time is done. Seven, eight people, you know. Our problems are so complex, it defies human imagination. And uh, they had 45 seconds to explain their shit. And I can understand why Madeline's mad. Most of us, most New Yorkers feel that crime is now the major issue here. And to hear uh, someone who obviously kind of gets it, uh, you know, call, it's a law and order issue. Boy, oh boy. That harkens back to a different time and a different group of people. Um, but we've got to figure something else. And, and I watched Bill Bratton today, and uh, he gives a really good analysis, and a lot of it has to do with training. A lot of it has to do with uh, training the cops for more than, uh, th- th- you know, he when he came on, he was trained for like eight weeks. Now I guess they're trained for like four months, six months. They need like a year to two years of training so that they can deal with a number of issues that they have to deal with. And yes, there should be mental health units um, that come out, but it's going to be a—it's going to be hellish trying to figure this out. It's like when you—you know—kind of tie up a knot and you're trying to take it apart with a—you know—with your fingers, and you just finally take a—you know—scissors and you—you just clip it off. We're going to have to do something, and I certainly don't have the solution. I'm sitting here talking to a microphone, staring at a rubber chicken and talking to it. Thanks, Madeline. Uh, And I also thought it's interesting. Folks should know that, you know, that folks, there are folks who don't agree with AOC. And and those folks uh, also listen to this rantcast. So that those of you out there who go, well, that's what you guys are thinking. You didn't know. All right. Send in what's on your mind and what's pissing you off. And whether I agree with it or not, I will read it. And then maybe I will come back and yell at you about something. Okay? And in the end, you can realize it will have no effect on the universe. So, so, and when you hear stuff, okay, realize it's written. This is a show that is written by the audience. Okay? Please respect their opinions. I'm not going to listen anymore because why? Because you're hearing something you don't agree with? Then write something back or shut the fuck up. T.D. Bash is sharing this with us. And boy, what a great name for a ranter. T.D. Bash. Land of the free and home of the brave? I call it land of the greed and home of the brazen. Fact. There are peeps on all sides politically who have ruined this country with greed and their brazen tactics of it's all about me, 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 and getting one over on the next guy. And sadly, many of us have bought into the whole bit they have sold us. From thinking overpriced designer labels are better 
to buying into much larger than we need homes that dwarf the average homes of the 50s and the 60s, to constantly keeping up with the latest trends. Gotta have granite countertops and stainless appliances that keep us broke and feeling less adequate if we don't have the latest and the greatest. Just how many fucking times can they improve on laundry soap? cereal, and now even $15 jars of way overpriced spaghetti sauce? God. Remember when coffee was coffee? God. Damn it. Fucking every time I go to the Dollar Tree, I can't get out of the parking lot because there's a line of 20 cars at the Starbucks drive through that block me from getting out. How many kinds of anything do we need? It's overkill and fucking with our minds as we stand bewildered at any store shelves trying to decide which to buy. Like I need all this BS info clogging up my old aging mind? Fuck no. Where the fuck does this consumerism brainwashing end? I, for one, am sick to death of this new and improved <clears throat> bullshit ads pushed at us every damn day on TV, radio, internet, wasteful junk mail. It's damned inescapable. And shit, now we even have to deal with hoping for a new and improved politicians on top of everything else. Damn it, America. Give me a break, for God's sakes. Well, T.D. Bash, you were bashing. <laughs> I'd like to thank you for sending that in. It's true how much I find myself, I don't go into stores often, and I do kind of stand there utterly staggered at how many types of... Uh, of uh, everything, jellies, peanut butters, uh, all sorts of almond butter now, cashew butter now, uh, macadamia nut butter now. <laughs> There's mac macadamia nut milk for God's sake. There's uh, how many? Uh, There's how many kind of biscuits can there be? Your triscuits or. <laughs> There's like three or four types of triscuits. Will that, will the rosemary and the olive oil, will that, will that drown out the taste of my cheese? Oh, shut up, Lewis. That's enough TV from me. You did a hell of a job. Thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening to my rant cast. If you have a rant you want to get off your chest, send it in to me at lewisblack.com forward slash live. You can think of it as therapy or whatever you want to think of it as. Just let it rip. And I want to thank the true stars of our show, the ranters and the splendid rants they gave us. Lewis Black's Rantcast was created and hosted by me. Aha, Lewis Black. It is produced by James Salkine. Our theme song by Chris Lane. Executive producer, Ben Brewer. Executive producers, Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcast. And most of all, thank you, all of you who ranted so well on this show.